Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Welcome to another edition of Creators Outlet at a special time because we're going across the pond to the UK this afternoon with our special guest, Martin Fisher. Please remember to subscribe, comment, and share. And here we are. Welcome. Howdy doody, neighbor. <laughs> well, it's better than my English accent, I guess. I know it's your language. It's your language. We just ruined it. No, no, you just slightly changed it. I don't know about ruined it. Yeah, we uh, we we Americanized it, you know. Exactly. And, yeah. And, I mean, and you know, it's it's been butchered up a little bit, you know, kind of you know, kind of like you got to beat that one kid up on the corner, and uh, you know, we're, we're we're like that. We do stuff to things that are like that one kid on the corner. Wow. Uh, it- it's always weird for me that when I come to America on vacation, I have to kind of change the way I say half the words there. It's like a, it's almost like a new language. Mm. Yeah, and you have to be careful the way you ask for a cigarette. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very careful. I don't, I don't smoke, so luckily I don't have that problem. Oh, yeah, good. Uh, so uh, the book is called uh, The Radiant Sight. Yes, and it's a very radiant sight. Indeed, and uh, I want to I want to start sharing a couple of images here, and I was I was taken back when Mike Jimmy first started sharing images of this, and I I saw the art and I was like, whoa, that's good. Yeah, that's kind of what me and Mike said it also when we saw it for the first time. I was just like, that is just uh, crazy good. Yeah, we were uh, very, very impressed when the cover came through. That's for sure. Yeah, I was like, uh, is this full color manga, anime? And... uh, and he's like, no, it's K-drama. It is. It, it is K-drama inspired. K-drama inspired. Mm. So, uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a dramatic filled book. Is it soap opera-esque uh, or just um, something else? I mean... I don't know how many of your listeners have actually ever watched a drama from Korea, but they have like uh, soap opera elements in them, and maybe maybe about ninety to ninety five percent of them are probably romance based, but they're incredibly well made, and uh, it, it's really quite surprising at how like in depth they are as well generally they will last maybe one season 
there'll be 16 episodes, but each episode will be an average of about an hour long. Mm-hmm. I'd say without any commercials or anything like that. And uh, this book is uh, inspired by those those very dramas. So it's a romance based book, and a lot of the content that's within the story is that is stuff that you would see in a Korean drama. I uh, myself have never seen a Korean drama. Uh, I I tend not to watch anything that hasn't at least been English dubbed. Uh, <laughs> one, my eyes are terrible, uh, and and two, uh, I do not wish to read a movie. I read. I've only read one movie that I was happy I did. And uh, that was a uh, a French film with uh, with Ron Perlman in it, hmm. uh, called called The City of Lost Children, which was oh I, I've heard of I've never seen it but I know of it. It's an exquisite movie. It's it's a it's amazing. Uh, it's got aspects of everything you know, pretty much everything I I like like the different the different sci fi genres like you know kind of like all mixed in and uh, you know. There's a element of you know the hero's journey in there as well, so it's mm. uh, it's 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 very interesting and uh, and provocative. I, I really enjoyed that. But mm. on average, you know, now I'm 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 disabled in a wheelchair, so I'll be sitting in my recliner, and I'm like a good like 10, 12 feet away from from the screen, and even then. Uh, I can't switch programs until I put my eyes on and, mm. and can, you know, defuzz everything. I can see the TV, okay, but, you know, if it's something I want to watch specifically and pay close attention to, I got I got to put my eyes on because uh, I'm, I'm nearsighted near with double stigmatisms. So I can read I can read comics fine, like everything from here to here is good. But my monitor is like another six inches past my knuckles, so uh, yeah, I mean, I gotta put on my, I gotta put put on my eyes to work on the computer. So yeah, I mean, some some of them are English dub, but not many of them. I mean, if if you can't stand looking at subtitles, then maybe watching one or trying one would be um, a little bit of a challenge. But if you don't mind looking at subtitles, then give one a go, you know, at least try one or two episodes just to see how people like them. Yeah, I, I, at I'll the moment, they're, they're generally what I watch. So I will definitely, uh, I'll definitely look into it to, uh, to see what, to see what I can see. Um, I know, uh, I, I don't, I don't pay, I pay for my, my internet, uh, at a, at a special rate because I'm disabled and I have, I have a child yeah. under 18 and all that. So I, I lucked mm-hmm. out there, but uh, I will not pay for cable, satellite, or uh, or streaming. I I dropped all my streaming platforms uh, quite a while ago, and uh, I discovered Pluto TV, which is free. I discovered Tubi, which is free, and uh, and a handful of others, and uh, and some a, a lot of the free channels on Roku devices and. So you know, I'm I'm pretty happy. Yeah. I know I know Tubi's got a uh, a fairly ex- extensive uh, library uh, as far as like foreign films and TV shows go. So I will definitely look into uh, trying to find uh, some K drama on Tubi to see yeah. uh, you know the checkout so I can get a better feel for what the book will be. Yeah, I mean, there's no you know, there's, you're not going to lose anything by just trying one or two episodes, you know, if, if you don't get on with it, then don't watch the rest of it. But there's, um, even though the majority are romance-based, there is actually quite a lot of um, diverse genres and storylines that they have. So uh, one of the best ones that I, I personally have seen is called The Beauty Inside. And it's about a lady who is a famous actress who once a month actually transforms into a totally different random person for about a week and then transforms back into herself again after that. 
and well, that's a that's that cool <laughs> for me that's a hell of a premise you know for for anything really because there's so many possibilities you, you know it's like it's kind of like doctor who regenerating on a on a monthly basis and then regenerating back after a few days it's crazy yeah that's uh yeah, it's like I, I I wouldn't mind you know transforming into a person not in a wheelchair, uh, a person not in a wheelchair that was rich, <laughs> so I could yeah. you know buy myself a few things and uh, get on with my day. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, because and also the the person that she transforms into is totally random, and she can go from being, I think she's in her like late twenties to her early thirties. She transforms into someone who's seven years old, and is is a, is a boy. It's that wild and random. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a, a shock. Uh, pretty much, yeah. And then if you throw the romance element into it as well, then it just gets a little bit more crazier. Yeah, I could I could see that would be uh, a uh, well, for, for lack of a better phrase, uh, a rude wake up call. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a tad. And like I said, that's just one example of what uh, Korean drama is like. But um, they have political dramas out there which are quite gripping. Uh, one of the other good ones I've seen was actually a baseball drama, and it had about. 10% romance in it. The rest of it was just pure character-driven drama. That's, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm new to this whole, whole genre. So it's, uh, you know, but like uh, I said, you've, you've got nothing to lose by just trying it. And if, oh, you yeah. get, if you don't get on with it, then, you know, you watch whatever else you want to watch. I will. I will try just about anything. Uh, I always like discovering, uh, you know, new, new, new platforms and you know different ideas, which is you know what brought me into indie comics like way back in the eighties and nineties too. Hmm. Was you know, I mean, I currently have a loathing for. Uh, Marvel and DC comics immensely right now. Right. I, I still love the characters that I fell in love with as a kid and a young man. Uh, I hate what they've done with the, most of these characters since I was a kid or young man. I don't mind, you know, character changes, but going, you know, the direction that they've gone, I'm like, no, uh, I can't do it. I've, I've gone... <laughs> Well, one of my friends in America, he's actually writing uh, a DC book at the moment. Oh, how very sad. He's uh, he's writing The Flash. Oh, okay. Uh, that's that's one of the rare ones I actually still enjoy. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, his name's Jeremy Barlow. He's done quite a few of the Lego superhero movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. As well, yeah, and he's doing the monthly title on The Flash. Very, very cool. Uh, you know, I, I, of course, I started, uh, I started my, I, I hate to call it a career because it's not a career, uh, my fandom career, I guess. Uh, uh, as, a, as a very uh, young lad, I'd say about three and a half, four years old, uh, discovering the syndicated version of the Adam West and Burt Ward Batman TV show. Uh. And like most kids that discovered that show, uh, I was blown away. And and most of it was, you know, the vibrant colors and the the Zach Booth Bowie, uh, you know, sounds coming up and, you know, just, just being shocked by... Uh, you know, the everything going on on the screen. I was just, you know, it's mm. easy to impress a little kid. 
However, I still yeah. love that show and, and still watch it on a regular basis. And uh, uh, that that got me into it. Uh, Cesar Romero is still my favorite Joker. Uh, is uh, Burgess Meredith still your favorite Penguin? Yes. Uh, I like Danny DeVito, uh, but I don't think I really liked him in very much since Taxi. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I well, I, I I like I like him in I liked him in uh, Always Sunny in, in Philadelphia, and I liked him in uh, Twins with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. He was fun. You know, so you know he's he's fun and generally you know comes across as a a nice fun like kind of like down to earth guy. Uh, oh, and I really I really loved him in the M and M's commercial. No, I'm when not they, serious. They, <laughs> I'm like that was the that was the greatest. But uh, yeah, um, Burgess yeah. Is, is still my 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 favorite uh, penguin and. I do an art stream on Wednesday nights, you know, tonight, uh, 11 p.m. Eastern with uh, artist Sean Howe. And he knew my love for Cesar Romero as the Joker. So he he did this original and he sent me the original. As you can see, you can see it coming through the backside. But. Ah. <laughs> and I mean, it's nice. You, you can see he nailed Burgess perfectly. Mm hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that start, that started my love. And then I discovered, uh, you know, I started to read a little bit and of course, uh, comic books was the thing comics and the, you know, newspaper print comics and actual comic books is what got me to read because kids will read stuff that they like, you know, just like anybody. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was I was made to read by my parents, so I could actually read, and it was uh, critical. Very, for critical very, I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I I was made to read like very simple three to four year old books, and I would uh, I would practice almost every day until I nailed every word in that book, and then it's. When I started reading comics after that, with uh, uh, the Beano and the Dandy, if you've ever heard of those, uh, unfortunately not. Okay, they're um, at the time they were weekly comic books that we had. Luckily, the the Beano is still going oh, in, cool. the, in the UK as well, so it's been around for at least. 80 years i'd say it's still wow going. that's a that's a great run yeah yeah i mean um and due to covid as well they actually saw their numbers um go up quite considerably as well so they've started to have a lot of success again They're good for them oh yeah you always like to hear stories like that yeah i mean i started uh I discovered Spider-Man in the, uh, you know, in the daily newspaper strip. And that's the first time I came across Dr. Doom as a, as a villain. And uh, I was, so to this day, Dr. Doom for Marvel and uh, the Joker for uh, DC are still uh, my two, you know, my two favorite villains, you know, mainstream wise. And, uh, not long after that, the uh, the pharmacy at the top of my dead end street uh, started carrying comics, and they had a spinner rack in the middle of the store. And if I wasn't behaving like a rotten little bastard, my mother would give me the change from the newspaper in her prescriptions uh, to go buy a comic book or two on the spinner rack, where I discovered, uh, you know, Amazing Spider Man, where I bought the very first uh, Peter Parker Spectacular Spider-Man uh, the week it was released off the spinner rack. Um, I bought Incredible Hulk. So Spider-Man and Hulk were my two mainstays for Marvel. And uh, and then, of course, you know, Batman Detective. I still have the very, the very first comic I ever bought. I still have. 
And uh, then I discovered uh, team books like Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes and, you know, some of the Harvey Toon stuff I would buy, like, you know, I'd buy, like, you know, Casper and and stuff and stuff like that uh, here and there. Uh, if it was up to my mother uh, and, and she wanted to buy me a comic, she would search through until she found an Archie. And I was like, oh, couldn't you buy me a superhero book? But in the long run, I'm like, you know, I read it and I liked it. I just didn't want to admit that I liked it. So we didn't. I mean, for us, it was a little bit different. We didn't necessarily have spinner racks because there weren't a lot of like, comic book shops during the like the early mid eighties and that kind of era. So you'd have to go into a newsagents and just see what was on the shelf. Mm -hmm. And my go-to comics were generally always Dandy, or Beano, or Star Wars Weekly. Oh, nice, Star Wars. Yeah, which were, obviously, our Star Wars Weekly was just a reprint of the Marvel comics that you guys had. Yeah, I... Uh... And then um, after that, we, we used to have the annuals, the um, kind of hardback annuals that we'd get comic book strips in so mm -hmm. that's where i saw superman for the first time in oh, cool. one of those and i didn't get introduced to like spider-man and those guys until i saw the cartoon spider-man and his amazing friends love that show that's where i saw spidey and uh firestar and iceman goblin dr doom and then we, we also had the, uh, the incredible hulk cartoon Oh, yeah. As well. And I think I saw, yeah, oh, yeah. And then there's the classic Spider Man, the sort of classic Spider Man cartoons after that. And also a couple of the four ones as well. Oh, cool. Hmm. I, I remember the, uh, the classic Spider Man cartoons, the 67 run. That's the one. Yeah. That's and the one. Uh, I, they used to play that on uh, one of the UHF channels out here when I when I was a kid so I'd get home from school uh, if I didn't have any homework I'd go out and stop playing ball with my friends and then re you know look look down at my at my Darth Vader watch and uh, realize that it was almost you know it was almost three o'clock and I would make up a story that I had to I had to go in and, uh, and finish my homework that I didn't have uh, so I could pop pop down in front of the you know, in front of the front of the tube, and and watch an episode of uh, Spider Man. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, for us, we had. Oh, we also had Battle of the Planets as well, which are really. really oh yeah. G Force, aka Gutcha Man. Yeah, it was in the years after that, that I discovered its um, Japanese origin. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they used to have the original Spider-Man on the BBC, and because when you're a kid, you don't really care about reading newspapers to see when things are on the TV guide, mm -hmm. see when it's actually on. You just kind of hope that it's going to come yeah. on. And sure yeah, you, you just kind of like flip the channels and and hope for the best. Well, bearing in mind at the time we only had three, and then later it became four TV channels. Wow. Yeah, we had the BBC, we had BBC One, BBC Two, and then we had. Uh, ITV, which later in about 1984 became Channel 4. And yeah, I, I, we, didn't, we didn't really have remote controls either. We had to get up every time press the button. Yeah, kids nowadays. Oh, they have they, no they, idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, even back in the day when we had um, we had a VCR, but we had a, my family had a Betamax machine, not a VHS. And it had a remote control with it that had a gigantic lead that led into the uh, the VCR. And, that's, and that didn't really work. So we still had to get up and press the damn thing every time we wanted it to do something. Yeah, that's... I, rem I remember those days, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, I remember uh, one of my uncles uh, paid, paid, paid through the teeth. Uh, for one of the first cable remotes, oh. and, it, and it wasn't a wireless remote, so it was like this twenty-five foot long cord that went from the front of the cable box, and you would yeah, hope yeah. that it didn't get ruined. 
So you didn't have to get up from the couch yeah. to change your channel anymore. Yeah. Otherwise, you just use it as a tripwire. Yeah, uh, that's what it used. That's what it was used for most. I think uh, with me and all my cousins, like running, running through the house, and you know, he'd grab it to go change the channel or turn the volume up. Next mm -hmm. thing you know, uh, the cable box and the remote were being pulled uh, away from its destinations, and we were like, you know, busting our faces on the wood floor. So that yeah, sounds kind of familiar. Yeah. Just, just a little bit. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So what should I, what should I tell you about this, uh, this nice radium book that we're doing? So, uh, why don't you, uh, why don't you give us the, uh, the pitch for the book, like, uh, you know, a, a basic, you know, oversight. Okay. So, story is about a lady called um, Kim Bittner. So, in Korea, they usually say the family name first. So. Uh, her name is Bitnub, and basically she lives in this rundown town on the outskirts of there is like a massive, gigantic, uh, very nice gleaming city in, in the far off distance. And in this town, she lives with her best friend, Chloe. And, you know, they, they're kind of both, they make ends meet, they just about get by, it's not a great life. And they, they just want the best for themselves and just to make it better. And then unexpectedly, uh, Bittner inherits this dress that you can see on the, on the cover. And uh, by accident and by chance, she gets to try it out at a party in this, this city. And she discovers that anyone who sees her in it thinks that basically they're the most beautiful person that they've ever seen. And uh, she, she basically meets a CEO of the company that runs City, and that's the romance element. The, the only trouble is, um, he doesn't know who she is, and she wants to kind of be with him a bit more, but she doesn't quite know how to do it without kind of giving herself away as being this person from a poor city and a poor background. Mm -hmm. So, uh, while she's trying to kind of figure stuff out, and because she discovers that anyone who sees you in the dress will essentially give her anything. It has this kind of darker side to it where she kind of realizes what else can I get purely by wearing this dress? I could, you know, I could get anything. And so that element starts playing into it as well, where she tries to, well, she's actually being, she starts to be dishonest about stuff. And about things around her, and there's a lot of a lot of questions that she has to ask herself, and also when her friend gets involved in it as well, it gets more complicated. And yeah, there's a there's a lot to and fro in going back, and the the dress itself. The only way I can kind of discover it, it's a little bit like the the ring from Lord of the Rings. It's a mm -hmm. it's a corrupting object even though it's just the dress but it's anyone who wears that dress they just look stunning to everyone else around them and then it becomes okay what can i what can i do with this what can i get um you know what, what, what is this going to do for my life and that that's basically the, the premise of it so almost like a, a a version of a Cinderella story with an evil twist. Uh, not quite. I mean, not quite Cinderella because not quite, but just aspects of it. There are aspects of it, you know, where um, yeah, I suppose anyone who saw Cinderella in the dress thought that they were like just beautiful. So there is that aspect to it, but there's no glass slipper in this yeah. story at all. But yeah, there is that that kind of darker twist aspect to it as well but it's, it's an element that you see in a few k-dramas and it's the element of um, duality where a lot some of the lead characters essentially lead two lives and they become two different people and that's what uh bitner as the story goes on will eventually start exploring mm. welcome pops 
Uh, he feels like me, Mike Jimmy should be here. He's here in spirit. Uh, physically, he is probably moving a sofa for somebody, but uh, he's he's here in spirit. And Pop shared the link again, and RJ says, the prince only recognizes Cinderella when she's in the gown. Well, that's part, well, I mean, there is an element, I don't want to spoil the whole story, because it's, um, it's six issues long, and there is going to be an element along those lines in the story, as it goes along. Because it's all, part of the story is about identity as well, about Bittner kind of finding out who she actually really is and what she wants. Yeah, let's let's take a look at a couple of the other characters as well. So that's that's, that's her. That that's Bittner as she would be in her ordinary form, I suppose, without wearing a dress. And that is the CEO of the big or the big company, Thomas who is going to be the uh, romantic interest in the story. Ah, the would-be prince. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. Pardon <coughs> me. Because one of the other elements that you do get a lot in Korean dramas is that there is a um, Chaebul heir who has basically the keys to the kingdom, and Thomas represents that part of a K-drama. Hmm. Now, uh, how long have you uh, have you been a writer for? Oh, I mean, on and off, I've been doing it for about 15 years, whether it be in indie comics or in the Star Wars comics or the, the Lego comics that I've been doing for a few years now. So you do, you, you wrote, uh, what are some of the uh, Star Wars uh, comics you worked on? Uh, it started out, in the UK, uh, Titan used to have a license to do their own Star Wars comics just prior oh, yeah. to the uh, the Disney takeover. And I started out on uh, Clone Wars comics. And then when when we had the Disney switch over, we got to do a couple more comics before the license transferred to Disney's preferred publishing partners. But luckily enough, I got contacted by the preferred publisher in Germany, and I got to do a couple of years of comics for Star Wars Rebels. Oh, nice. And they were all vetted by Lucasfilm. They were all approved by Lucasfilm, and we made sure that they kind of matched up with the series as much mm -hmm. as we possibly could. And then um, after that, I went to the end of season two of Rebels, and then... Uh, the opportunity came up to do Lego and uh, kind of jumped on board because with Lego, you can go all around the Star Wars universe instead of just doing one particular series. Mm -hmm. And you get to do a lot of very silly things as well. You know, you can have <coughs> you can have Darth Vader tap dancing in that. You can have the Emperor going on vacation and wearing a, an Hawaiian shirt. You, you know, you, you can have uh, Luke sitting in a bath and playing with a rub, rubber ducky. <laughs> you can do silly things like that, or you can just have characters swap over their hair pieces so you can have Han Solo wearing Princess Leia's fancy buns on his head. And we generally can't do that in the regular Star Wars comics. People would lose their shit. <laughs> It's. I mean, it's, it's a shame that in America and Canada, I don't believe anyone actually has the license to publish the Lego Star Wars comics out there. So you guys never get them. Yeah, they they want to keep everything uniformed out here in a you know a certain way, so only certain things are seen, and but it's, you know a particular way of doing things, which is too bad. Well, we, I mean, all it takes is one company to basically pay for the license rights because all of, even all of our Lego stuff, we still go through Lucasfilm. They have to approve all this. Mm -hmm. So it goes through the exactly say, the, the same vetting process that the guys at Marvel and IDW have to go through for their comics. Yeah, it's, 
It's it's funny to me that uh, IDW has their fingers in, in so many different pots. Like they've got all their stuff, of course, all their in-house stuff. <coughs> and they've got, you know, they've got certain Star Wars comics they do. And then they do uh, printing and, and distribution for like the, uh, some of like the digest stuff mm-hmm. uh, from Marvel, like, you know, you know, Spider-Man and, you know, mainstream characters, main, main base characters like that. And then they also do the printing for the, those gorgeous uh, artist edition mm, uh, collectors, yeah. collections. Mm. And, uh, you know, some, you know, a lot of which I wish I could afford more of, but they're a little, a little pricey. And they've, they've done a lot of like the hardcover uh, printings and release for certain things. Like I saw uh, a couple years ago after uh, the passing of Herb Trimp, they had they had a uh, a limited uh, run of Herb Trimp's Hulk stuff in a gorgeous hardcover slipcase that he had signed uh, tip-in plates for before he had passed. Right. And I was so close to buying one of those, and then when he passed, uh, the price increased by about two hundred dollars. Mm. And put you know put it out of put it out of my price range, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that you know they they've got so many facets to their company. They're just not a comic book publisher, you know. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I've been down there numerous times during the Comic Con season, and you just go into uh, Scott Dumbia's office, and Scott supervises all of the the artist editions that they put out. You just go into his office, and there'd be like a stack of Kirby art just sitting there. I'd just be sitting there drooling on myself. That's probably why you're not allowed because they need to drool free. They're like, he's too much of a fan. We can't let him in the building. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Not only that, they'd be mopping up after you everywhere because you wouldn't stop drooling. Well, yeah. You know, they might excuse a little bit. You know, I'm in the wheelchair. I could carry a bucket. They could put a bucket around my head or something. Well, catch yeah. how quickly you fill it. Well, not that quickly. Okay. You know, so hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. But, so that's uh, yeah. So that's that's what we've got. I mean, we've got some uh, finished pages from the comic as well. We've got the first six pages that are finished. Mm-hmm. I, I I was I was going through those in the uh, in the uh, in the PDF uh, preview that you sent over, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, once I got past, because I obviously you've seen the image from the opening page, uh, which is right here. Yeah, you know, but you know, then I you know then I saw like you know further through and it's the art is just uh spectacular we got very lucky the two colorists um yannick and ellen they're both based in germany and uh they actually color some of the the lego stuff that i write oh nice so um i actually got a recommendation from the artist who works with them said like you know they're really good i'll put you in touch with them and then everything what they've been doing since has been magic as you can as you can see yeah it's just it's just gorgeous work mm. and, I mean, uh, we, we, we've been lucky the whole comic has been a really good collaboration because our, our artist archie he, he he can like he sent in this this cover just the artwork for it and then uh yannick and ellen they did a, they did a pass it that me and mike actually liked and then archie saw it and said oh um I actually think it should be like this way. I've made some changes as a kind of like a prototype, see what you think. And then Mike and I saw it and we both went, actually what he's done is actually better than what they've come up with. And then we asked them to change it and then they changed it round until we got what you see in front of you. And I mean, it's, I remember I was blown away just seeing that first page, uh, when Mike started sharing out the image 
and you know more to come coming soon oh yeah and i was like whoa dude what's that he goes uh yeah this is a book that i'm going to be publishing and i'm like uh i need to know more (laughs) when am i getting people involved coming on the show and he's like he goes oh don't you worry that'll be that'll be soon soon enough and and here we are here we are talking comics worldwide worldwide comics and all kind you know all kinds of different things and of course there's there's a there's a lot of there's a huge difference between you know comics here in the states and and abroad uh i was i was lucky enough that uh when i was 15 in skipping school uh, i discovered my first comic shop and i ended up uh i still go there i'm still a customer uh and i've worked there from being you know the the fledgling teenager you know working on uh you know restocking back issues and and doing you know running to dunkin donuts to fetch us coffee and various uh, you know going getting lunch for him and everything uh to uh you know being in a you know assistant manager role at points and so i i've i've seen a lot of different things and they had a lot of different things you know it wasn't just you know strictly this they had they had tons of indie content they would carry um they have a they still have a huge uh back issue supply and uh more than once uh they've bought collect like fairly sizable collections off of people uh that included lots of uh the 2000 ad magazines I mean, I confess, I never really read any of those when I was growing up, the 2000 AD stuff. It was, um, I think, a little bit too dark because I was so into Star Wars at the time and I was just basically mm-hmm. saying, it's not Star Wars, I'm not reading it. <laughs> or or it, it's not Transformers, I'm not reading it. Yeah, I, I used to watch the Transformers cartoon, but, uh, you know, never never got into the books. I think I read some of the some of the I read some of the crossover stuff they've done like the last couple of years, where oh, they yeah. cross where they where they're you know the revolution or whatever where they're they're bringing in all the all the defunct Hasbro toy lines yeah. and and bringing their you know their comic presence back in. Uh-huh. Uh, I am uh, I am in the midst of. Uh, Building my uh, a complete run of the original uh, Rom Space Knight and, uh, and yeah. Micronauts, and I just scored about forty issues of Rom from issue one uh, through like seventy seven, seventy eight, like random ones. All you know between those numbers, a lot of early like single and double did you know single and double mm. digit ones, of course, but. Uh, my my friend Chris Ryle, he used to be the uh, editor in chief at IDW. He is the biggest fan of ROM I know on this planet. Oh, that's cool. I always wanted the toy. One day I will have the toy. I don't care whether it works or not, uh, is because it'll just look cool on a shelf. We and, had it. Uh, I believe we had it here as well. We had the same toy, but it, it came out through a different toy company. It came out through Palatoy. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, 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 once in a while I get stuff in uh, from just like overseas editions from uh, Panty Comics. Uh, a couple of couple of dealers will uh, import some some issues, uh, you know, of Marvel and DC stuff, but you know, print, you know, printed, you know, overseas in Italy, and so of course we can't read them, but they've got, uh, you know funky new covers that we've never seen here in the States. So of course we want them because, ooh, shiny. And and I fell for that. And I bought a Green Lantern mm-hmm. number one with a uh, with uh, one of the best covers I've ever seen on a Green Lantern book in my life. And uh, I didn't buy any others. I just, I just bought that one. But uh, I just like seeing different stuff from, you know, around the world comic-wise. It's very interesting to me. Yeah. 
it's a shame we don't really have much of a comic industry in the UK anymore. I mean, obviously we have 2000 AD that's still going on and uh, we occasionally have like some holiday specials that they like Rebellion put out, like World War II specials or something like that. And then you've got the Beano, which is still going, but almost, if not all of like the licensed books, uh, we still have a Transformers book for the, like, whatever the current cartoon series is, but they use screen caps as their comic now. Oh, so they just screen they just screen yeah. capture it and put the text yeah. on it. Yeah, basically, and quite a lot of the, the magazines here do that now to save money, so they don't have to pay any artists or writers to come up with original content. Yeah, that's which is a massive shame because we used to have really you know a really nice bit of a comic industry here uh, before Disney took over Marvel. Panini used to have a license and they used to do their own original marvel comics then that went and then like i said with star wars and titan that went that got transferred and even in germany now that that book they don't do original comics for that anymore it's a real shame so the the comic market over there is pretty much down to uh independent books now kind of yeah apart from 2000 ad the yeah was like that you know because the the lego comics we do they originate in germany that's where the publishing company is so outside of a couple of mainstays you know that's it do you guys still uh yeah. uh get like the uh, heavy metal magazine over there uh i wouldn't necessarily see it on a supermarket shelf you may have to go to a speciality comic book place to get it or order it online i think you know I yeah think it's I think the comic it's, books, the, the same comic book store, I've been going to the same place for about 25, 26 years. And oh, nice. I think he, he, he would get it if you asked for it. Uh, it's, it's good to hear that you've at least had the same, the same shop to, uh, you know, go to for, for 25 years. Just wish there was more stuff to, uh, to come out yeah. over there. Yeah, I mean, he generally stocks, obviously, all of the main American titles. But if I wanted to, if I did want an issue of 2008, either he'd have it, or I would go into a normal supermarket or something, and I could pick it up there. See, I, I find I find that a little pe peculiar that you could you can go pick up a copy of 2008 in a supermarket, but you have to mm. specialty order heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I know. There's a lot of adult content in heavy metal. You know the you know front you know topless and you know sometimes full frontal. I think yeah, that's probably why. Yeah, but uh, yeah. It's, it's there's there's still uh, a lot of a lot of great stories in there. Of course, heavy metals where I discovered Mobius because I had no idea who who he was, and then I then I went down. Uh, the wonderful world of immensely talented artists that uh, most people discovered in, in heavy metal, like uh, Louis Royo, and you know, on and on and on down the line. I, uh, you know, Boris Vallejo, and you know, the list goes on. But uh, I've only had one cup of coffee, so my mind isn't quite working all that well. Well, I, I mean, I discovered Mobius uh, through Tron, the movie Tron. Oh, nice. I love yeah, that. I, I, yeah, um, that's one of my favorite all-time movies. I go nuts for, for the, especially the original, the original 1982 movie. And yeah, and it's only a few years ago that I actually discovered who Mobius was and what he did on the film and the fact that he had worked on a little comic books in France. And obviously he had done heavy metal as well. Yeah, it's, it was just I was just astounded the first time I picked up heavy, you know, out, outside of the the boobs. Uh, I was just astounded at like you know at the level of, of the at the level of artwork, and I was I've always been like a sci-fi nut, and you know, the the level of science fiction in a in a heavy metal magazine is, you know, the only way you get that is by reading like a prose novel and your imagination doing all that work. 
Mm. So it was, it was, I thought it was great to be able to see all this stuff like on the page. It was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, the good, the good thing about our book is it's going to, it's going to be printed obviously the size of a European comic book. So it's going to be bigger than your regular sized American comic book. I'm already prepared through Mike Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. That, that's that's the first Life from Cora book I did with Mike. Yep. Uh, he sent me uh, uh, one through three. I just ordered four. And he's just waiting for the patches to come in. And uh, I I I bought a I bought a sketch off him that he did on on one of my live streams uh, of the of the Joker he did in black and white for me. Oh, nice. Oh, that's a big grin. Yeah. I'm like, that's very cool. That's that's very mm. old school, and I love it. I've got I've got a bunch of uh, you know original original commission pieces, uh, of course, of the Joker. But uh Yeah. I, you know, I I'm you know, through getting back into, you know, chasing books through the indie market to uh you know getting more into like you know the indiegogo books and this you know this whole community that's that's putting out some wonderful content uh mm. i'm you know i'm chasing down like original art and you know being like hmm wait i can afford to get an actual original page of art from this book on this campaign and you know I don't dive into it like Mike does because <laughs> Mike <laughs> tries to get original art from everybody now. And Yeah, uh, well, original art is great. I love collecting original art and published art as well, like from some of the books that I I don't read a lot of comic books, but some of the ones that I do, I do like collecting some of the art pages in them if they become available. Yeah, it's 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 something it's something different to have and I I think it's it's growing immensely in popularity now, uh, especially with this crowdfunded, uh, you know, independent mm. uh, resurgence. And uh, I think it's, not, I think I think it's great, you know. Yeah, I mean, not only that, I mean, many artists do their stuff digitally now rather than the old-fashioned way. Yeah. So when you do find someone who who is doing a mainstream comic book, and they're doing it. The old-fashioned way, then that makes it a little bit more appealing. Yeah, I know. I've I've talked to uh, various creators through doing the show, of course, and ones that are you know their artist does everything digitally. You know, it's more streamlined. It's you know, it's more efficient. It's faster. It's easier to just you know finish mm. the page, and you can transfer the file right away to get approval. And you know all that's great, but when you're when you're crowdfunded a book, uh, you know if they're doing it that way, I always I always talk to them and you know try to be like, what would be great is if you could convince your artist to draw like maybe one or two of the pages traditionally, and yeah. then you would have something uh, to give the. To give the campaign a big push for those art collectors. Yeah, um, I don't know how Archie's doing his pages. I don't know if they're digital or the old-fashioned way, but um, have to find out. I have to find out from him exactly what he's doing. But uh, can you show everyone any of the, the pages on the PDF? Yes, I can most assuredly do that. Cool. Uh, I can share this. Here, here, boom! Here we are. Of course, there's the 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 opening page. Yep. Yep. There it is. Into the cityscape. Hmm. Yeah. Going to be a lot of stuff taking place in that tower. And this is this is where the uh, the love interest. Uh, his his business is located. Yeah, that's it's uh, it's a family business as well. So uh, obviously his dad still runs it, and he's the he's the heir who's a part of the management. 
and is obviously as a lot of a lot of the modern Korean dramas, they're kind of being they're being groomed to take over by their parents. Mm-hmm. And this this guy is definitely in that that same mold. So he's very much living the high life and doesn't know much about what people outside of that comfort zone how they live. Yeah, uh, and like you know, the man in the high castle. Yeah, doesn't, yeah, doesn't kind see of. anything, but doesn't see anything below them. Yeah, and it's exactly what you've got there. So in the distance, you've got the tower, and then you've got the very rundown Havenstown, right there in a heavy state of disrepair. And everyone there is just trying to make ends meet as best as they can. Yeah. Fighting, fighting to survive paycheck to paycheck and yeah yeah very much and that's where that's where we meet a bit now at the laundry who's not being treated very well by one of her customers oh yeah a male Karen oh don't we love a Karen oh yeah that we love to the- shut him up <laughs> well, yeah, that's probably the one thing that's missing is, is uh, the guy saying, I want a manager and I want him here now. Yeah. I, I looked for that when I looked at the page and I'm like, oh, he's not asking for a manager. He's just running his mouth <laughs> and, and throwing stuff. And I'm like, yeah. Well, well like, to, be, hey. to be fair, in the K dramas I've seen, um, you do get customers who do things like that. They do throw objects or other things back at someone but they don't go the full Karen route where they start asking for managers and corporates number and all that kind of stuff well that's a saving grace luckily luckily yeah I love the I, I love the way uh, they did the last panel on this page too yeah yeah it's it's her remembering um, a better time. So it's, that's a flashback to, to her father. Because that's another K-drama thing. Many of the, uh, uh, the protagonists in the book, they have kind of like tragic backstories with, with their parents. Like they've, mm-hmm. had a, they've had a hard life and this is part of it. This part of the story comes into play later on as well. So you actually see or find out what's gone on with her parents and why she is living with her best friend. And you got to have a you know you got to have a little bit of action as well and have a character that can take care of themselves. Yeah, and apparently she can. Very much so. Yeah, she's Chloe's a little bit like the muscle of the of the two of them. Where where Bittner's kind of reserved and won't always fight back Chloe will definitely be in your face if you're if she thinks you're wrong and she'll whack you in the face as well if it's absolutely necessary where it is right here <laughs> exactly so Chloe is like the boisterous one and, and Bittner is a, a little more of the of the timid type yeah yeah very much so uh yeah Bittner's nervous that's for sure Bittner will not always express herself forwardly and then yeah it's just just the two of them talking about what life is like how they get by and how basically they want something better out of their lives and what they've got yeah which is basically what we all want so yeah pretty much they're you know they have the dream but they don't have a a way of making that dream reality at this time and then then that dress is going to come into bitner's life and you'll see what it does it's gonna be some stuff going on yeah the whole thing is planned out it's six issues all six scripts are written it's done yeah the whole the whole story's figured out and uh there's even a premise in the back of my head for uh, a continuation if 
if so warranted. Very nice. Is, is this so, book going to run? Oh, say again? How many pages will this book be? Oh, I believe it's 32 pages, this particular one. 32 page count? Yeah. All right. Yeah, okay. and all, all the subsequent ones will be 31 to 32 pages as well. 32 page books and let me pop this up as well. Share, share, share. Uh, there it is. The pre-launch page is up. The link is in the chat. And uh, if you sign up today, you can receive a 25% discount on your copy. Uh, I have already signed up as soon as Mike put, shared the uh, shared this page. I uh, I signed I signed up on the pre-launch already. So we want people to go to the pre-launch page and sign up. Uh, get your twenty-five percent discount for your cop for, for the copy that you'll receive today, and uh, be notified upon the launch so you can check out the full campaign and maybe find out a few more things that we haven't uh, discussed here today. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're going to be launching it at the end of September is when the campaign actually goes fully live. So, yeah, uh, just a month away, just about. We are, we are very ready to rock and roll on the book, and we really hope that people will come along and support it and then hopefully we can get the other five issues out to complete the story yeah uh come for the art stay for the story yeah hopefully right? fingers you know? crossed fingers crossed so, you know every every good book is is usually a combination of both yeah i mean it's uh it for, for me it's a little bit of a it is a little bit of a passion project because i've been watching the dramas like the korean dramas there for a couple of years and so it's really something I wanted to try and at least have an attempt at doing it in comic books. And I, I think we've, we've pulled it off and I hope people will come and check out the book and agree with us. Oh, for sure. Um, why don't you let people know uh, where they can find you and follow you on social media so they can okay. see everything you're working on? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, Tron Program 2 and Captain Kirk appears to be wanting to beam you up uh, yeah that's that's my that's my phone ringer <laughs> okay yeah so uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at uh, Tron Program 2 and I'm also on Instagram as well and my profile there is uh, martin.fisher.77 Oh, and then so you'll see some you'll see some stuff on Twitter and you'll see some stuff on Instagram about the project and some other stuff like the Lego things we've been working on too. And also, um, I had a story recently in an English indie anthology called Seventy Seven. If you've ever heard of that, I have not heard of that, but. Okay, um, yeah, it's a, so it's a UK-based anthology. A lot of fans of uh, 2000 AD are a part of it on the creative teams as well. Uh, issue 6 came out. I had a, the beginning of a, a story in that. The first five pages came out in that, and then the next five pages will be in the next one, and the next five pages will be in the one after that. And the artist on that is actually a very great guy called charlie gillespie who used to work on 2018 oh yeah yeah he he's done the artwork he's done a fantastic job on it wonderful i, I love anthologies because it, it gets you uh it gets you like a wide variety of talent across the board uh a lot of which you know you might not have been aware of prior to uh you know reading that volume 
Yeah. I, I, I always like getting new talent in front of my eyes. So like, you know, if it's something I like, I'm, I'm going to stalk them online. Uh, <laughs> and, but, not, uh, but not too much. No, no, just, just, just the online presence, just to follow, just to follow them enough to see what's, you know, what they have, uh, you know, available in the creative market uh, that I might be interested in. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll send you a link after the broadcast ends to that, that anthology anyway, so you can see it. Oh, excellent. Thank you. No problem. So uh, we want to we wanna thank Martin very much for coming out and uh, talking to us about Radiant Site number one. Uh, the pre-launch is in the chat. Uh, please go sign up today. Get 25% off your copy uh, when you pledge to the campaign. And uh, we will start having me on. Oh, it's it's been a it's been a pleasure. It gave me something to do this afternoon here, even though it's <laughs> evening there. Uh, yeah, I, know I, you I was like, I was like, good, because I I couldn't remember until two days ago who I had scheduled for Friday. So oh, okay. I was like, hmm, and then I started scrolling through my map. Oh, that's who's here Friday. Okay, I got it. Yeah, that one. and uh, you know, so I go okay, so I I squeeze in, you know six episodes of three different podcasts this week and I'm, I'm a happy camper. So, uh, thank you, uh, once again, very much. It's been a pleasure to meet you and I will look forward to checking this book out when it goes live. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. And, uh, you have a wonderful evening and we will hopefully talk again soon. We will. If anyone has any questions on the book, please free to send them through. Yeah, please. Uh, Please follow Martin online and uh, uh, not not so much with the stalking uh, and, uh, you know, ask him any questions you may have uh, be, you know, for Radiant Sight, Legos, Star Wars, what have you. And uh, we uh, we will see you again very soon uh, tonight, 11 p.m. Uh, the Sean Zilla Art Show right here on the Creators Outlet Network. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. Right. Goodbye.